We've been in a brand new series called The Purpose Driven Life. We looked at our first purpose. And as we looked at our first purpose last week, we found that our first purpose was worship. Now, it is no coincidence that the first purpose for worshiping that we've discovered is worshiping God, and the second one is in fellowshipping with one another. Even when Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment in all of the scriptures? In other words, if you boil the Bible down into its essence, into a nutshell statement, what would the Bible say? And the Bible would say, Jesus said, it would say, love the Lord your God, worship. And then love your neighbor as yourself, fellowship. So we are continuing in this series, and we're going to look at our second purpose. Now, I have to make a couple of disclaimers. Number one, the curriculum here that we're doing is from the Purpose Driven Life. Uh, it's Saddleback Community Church in California. They, um, they've given us the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the books, the curriculum, the sermons, the every, they've given us everything, and so we're working off of that curriculum. So I just want to give them credit. Every week, I just want to give them credit, lest anybody thinks that I'm coming up with this stuff on my own. Um, and so that's the first disclaimer. The second one is that I desperately want you to get into a small group. If you're not experiencing our small groups, you're missing part of the learning, and it is absolutely glorious. I've had so many positive responses that I want you to get involved. Now, here's the thing. We don't get we don't, until we get our relationship with God right, it's going to be really hard to get our relationship with each other right. Because we're going to stand from a self-centered, self-righteous perspective. We're going to think it's all about us. See, here's what I know. Whenever you put two or more people in a room, things can get complex. And the married people say... Yeah, yeah, things get complex when you put a couple of people in the same room. And in so doing, we know that when we have a family, the family of God together, we know that sometimes it's not going to work out so well. Isn't it true? Here, listen, do me a favor. Raise your hand if you've ever been upset by someone sitting in this room. Go ahead. All right. Now... Keep your hand up if they're sitting right next to you. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, put it down, put it down. Okay, right. Okay, no, seriously speaking. Seriously speaking. No, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. We got a few of them. Right, right, right. Okay, so now watch this. But here's the point. The point is we need something greater because you're going to upset me. And I don't know. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this one. I know I've upset some of you. It's happened before. You cannot live a life of intimacy without having to extend grace to one another. So today's message, it's going to be important for your marriage. Today's message, it's going to be important for your relationship with your kids. Today's message is going to be important for your relationship with your workplace. Today's message is going to be important for the people that you make meetings with or are associated with. But most importantly, today's message is going to help you to survive the local church. Today's message is going to help you, listen to me, 
to be a grace-filled individual with the body of Christ. Because here's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be the kind of church who gets upset with somebody. I mean, I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time. People will say, I go, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you. We've been congregating together, but we haven't seen you. In the church services, where have you been? Well, you know, so-and-so really upset me. To which I go, gosh, do you get along with everybody on your job? You get along with everybody in your family? You get along? See, it's silly. You would have to divorce the world. You have to live on the moon if you left every place where someone in that place upset you. It's silly. So we might as well learn how to deal with one another. Years ago, my wife and I, we were having real conflict. I don't know if you've ever had that. We, you know, in my marriage, we've had real conflict. And I remember just digging down and, and getting this, this guidance from Jesus and this conviction from Christ and his word. It's like, yo, we better make this work because there's no exit strategies. So if we're going to be happy, you better start working on this because I don't want, I'm not looking to do this for the rest of my life and be miserable. If we're going to have to be here, we might as well start working on it. And you know what? We're Recovery House of Worship, listen to me. We're stuck with each other. We love each other. Jesus brought us here. He's given us gifts. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. He's given us gifts and he's given us each other so that we can worship God together. And the very people that you will find in this congregation that upset you are the very people that God is going to use. They're like, we call them sandpaper people. If you're in a small group, who's here in a small group? Raise your hand. Right. Every group has sandpaper people. If you can't think of who they are, you're it. And so... Maybe, 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 maybe. Okay, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't look at me so seriously. Good night. It's hard to be up here. I'm joking. Okay, so now watch this. No, no, no. Sandpaper people. But sandpaper people are, are a great blessing because you know what sandpaper does, right? It refines. It refines. And so there are people in your life, perhaps in your home, in this church, who God will use, and your job is not to get away from them. Your job is to learn to live in unity with them. Now, in the, in the scriptures, 1 Timothy 3, verses 14, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, say this, I am writing these things to you, Paul is writing to Timothy, so you will know how to live. Everybody say those three words with me together. How to live in the family of God. We have to learn how to live in the family of God together. And that's what we're going to be doing Today, today, we're going to look at the biblical purpose for your, the second biblical purpose, which is fellowship. You were formed for God's family. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. We've all, listen to me, there's a gift that you have that all of us lose. Listen to me, there's a gift that you have that all of us lose if you don't use it. There's a gift that you have. Then all of us lose out if you don't use it. Every one of you, every one of you, every one of you have a gift. And I don't want to lose out. So don't you dare say, well, I, I go to church. I could, go, I could be in my home and go to church. No, you can't. <laughs> We've got to be around one another. So 
one of our traditions in being together as a community is that we stand at the reading of God's word. So would you stand? Because we want to be reminded that God's word is more important than my opinion. Would you stand with me? We're going to read this together. We're going to be taking uh, our, our focus on Romans chapter 12, looking specifically between verses 9 through 16. So on the count of three, I want only the pretty people to read loud, okay? Only the beautiful people. Okay, I want you to read nice and loud, okay? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is God's word. Let's see what God's word would have to say to us today. So, in this text, we see at least five building blocks for fellowship. Remember, this is going to affect everything. So you want to listen. You want to work on your marriage? I'm telling you, if your marriage is falling apart, one, of these, one or more of these building blocks are missing. I'm telling you, if you're finding yourself without friends, one or more of these building blocks. If you tell a bunch of people that, you know, in other words, if you don't have a great intimacy, if you're not involved in great intimacy with friends, with your church family, with your family at home, I'm telling you, one of these building blocks is missing. So you better pay attention. Because I'm telling you, the quality of life is going to be based greatly upon the people that you're around. And if you're around no one, that's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. Let's look at the first building block that's found in this text. It's found in verse 9, but I want you to write this down. Now, in everyone's bulletin, I want, you to say, I want to say this. In your bulletin, this is interactive. I want you to open your bulletin. There's called a sermon map. It's a, it has the scripture for today. It has the points for today. It has blanks so that you could fill it out. I want you to find that right away. And the reason I want you to find it is because I want you to follow along as we go through this, if you need your pen, just ask your neighbor, and they'll help you lend you pen, go back and forth. Okay. So, the first building block for fellowship is authenticity. Somebody say authenticity. 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 That we see in verse 9, right at the top of the scripture. Love must be, what's the next word? Sincere. Love must be sincere. So, the first building block for fellowship is authenticity. Now, this word here, sincere, in the uh, New American Standard, it's translated, the New American Standard translates uh, uh, this, is that we're not supposed to be hypocrites. Now, that Greek word, hypocrite, no, it's an English word, but the, the, the word that it takes from in the Greek was an interesting word. It's a word picture. What happens in, in that Greek culture, they would have these actors and the actors, if you see the masks, 
would come up on stage and they would perform. So they would come up and they would perform and they would be, you know, this uh, uh, character. And then the actor would come up on stage and put on this mask and they would be this ha character. And they were affectionately known as hypocrites because they stood behind the mask and they acted well. Well, this is now a very negative term, in our, and rightfully so, because you're not on a stage when you're not being yourself, when you're not being authentic. You're being a bad actor. You're being a hypocrite. And if we're going to have real fellowship, we're going to need authenticity. You've heard it said, listen, listen, I'm just keeping it 100. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I'm just keeping it 100. Okay. Here's what's really happening. That's morphed. It's supposed to be, um, when I'm saying I'm keeping it 100, what, you're, what you were supposed to say is that I'm, I'm keeping it authentic. I'm keeping it real. I'm being, on, but it's not. Now it's just an excuse to be rude. You know, I'm just, I'm just keeping it 100. No, you're not. You're just being rude, right? But in a very real way, in this church, listen to me. Listen to me. Why are you going to pretend to be sane in a group of people that are crazy? <laughs> and just in, listen, listen, just in case you don't think that's you, I bet if we spend five minutes together, I'd be able to pick out your neurosis and you'd be able to pick out mine. We're all crazy. What's your sin? I'm telling you, you can't outsin me. I qualified for a 12-step program by the time I was 17. I've been in stolen cars. I've done B&Es. I'm telling you. My, like, you know, I, I, good night. What are you hiding for? Listen, if we're going to be messed up, we might as well be messed up together. And there's no other place in all the world where you could be yourself. and be Because you know why? We know just by you saying that you're a Christ follower that you're messed up. You know how messed up you are? You're so messed up, Jesus had to die for you. That's how messed up you and I are. So just by you showing up in the room, we go, Woo! that one's a hot mess. Because why? Why? It's true. Because when someone has to die because you're that guilty, beloved, who are you trying to front in front of? the first building block of fellowship. So just say, just, let's just say, because of Jesus, because of Jesus I'm going to live an authentic life. Who lived the most authentic life for me. Let's go to the second building block of fellowship. It's courtesy. Would you write that down? Courtesy. We see this in verse 10. In verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So we see it's courtesy. We're going to need to be courteous towards one another. And what that means is we respect each other's differences, right? So we have some people in this room who, who dress uh, urban. Right? They have an urban way of dressing, right? And so they have big pants, and it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit lower than their waistline, and they, they have an urban way of dressing. And we go, yay, God, praise God, that's you, that's your style. We celebrate that. And there are other people here who dressed um, 
more conservative. Let's call it conservative. I don't have a better uh, term for it. We, we have conservative, right? And they wear a suit and a tie, and we go, yay, we celebrate you. And we have other people who are super stylish and everybody in between. Here's my point that I'm trying to make. We celebrate each other's differences. We, just because we're, um, we're, we're called to be together doesn't mean that we have to be identical. That means, that means, if you're loud and I'm quiet, I could celebrate you for being loud. And if, and if I'm quiet, and if I'm quiet, you can celebrate me for being quiet. Listen, you, you really need to work on this. Let me tell you something. Being courteous, you need to work on this. Let me tell you why. This is so important. Because you're almost always marry a person who's not like you, right? You'll almost always marry a person who's not like you. And so we need to, we need to be courteous. So this is what it means. When we're being courteous with one another, what happens when we have relationship, especially in the church, is that we invent motivations for things people do that we don't understand. We invent motivations for people, for the things that they do, that we don't understand. So um, here's a person, and they've done something that's crazy. I would have never done that, right? So I'm eating with them, and I personally don't ever send my food back. It could be like... It could be snails and bed bugs, and I would eat it. I swear. It would, you know, I don't care what it is. I wouldn't send it back. I heard a joke from Eddie Murphy, never got over it. I'm just going to eat what's in front of me, okay? Okay. Some of you will get that going home, right? So it's fine. I eat what's in front of me. But there's a person who I'm with and who sends their food back. I'm appalled. I don't need to be appalled. Oh, they're just doing it because they got to be the center of it. No, 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 no. Shh, stop that. You, you know why they're doing that? Because they're different from you. And that's a good thing, because the world couldn't stand two of you. <laughs> and so we need to be okay with being different. We need to be all right with being not the same. And the way we do that is, what was it? Love thinks the best. That's what we do. We're courteous with one another. We're kind. We think the best about one another. So the first building block of true, authentic, uh, true fellowship is authenticity. And the second one is courtesy. Let's look at the third. The third building block for fellowship is mutuality. Mutuality. Now, this is really, really, really important. Because it's in our best interest for us to... Help each other grow. It's in our best interest to assist each other on this journey. So let me ask you, is your husband not as devoted to the scriptures as you are? Then love him well. Encourage him well. You don't have to browbeat. You don't have to embarrass. Are there people here who maybe don't smell like you, don't act like you, who are not as committed as you? Well, it's our job to serve them well. We have people who come to our community to just take a nap. I mean, they're, they've, they've, they've been drinking all night and they need a nap. And I, personally, I don't know any better place to take a nap than right here in this room. I think it's a bit, if you're here, and don't worry, they're not listening to me because they're asleep right now. It's fine. <laughs> but you need to know, it's okay for them to nap. It's okay. Why? Because we love you. We love you and we're here to serve and help mutually. And we've got to meet each other where we're at. So there's a mutuality. Now there's three 
ways that we're a mutual um, benefit, of mutual benefit to one another. Um, you see this um, in the text that we have here. It's in Ecclesiastes 4.10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone, when they fall, are in real trouble. We need each other, guys. And if we're going to have real fellowship, if we're going to be the kind of church who goes, man, my bestie is at that church. Man, you know what? My, my dear friend. You know what? The people who are going to help me move, I, I don't have to call anybody because I'll just, I'll just meet with them on Sunday. You know, the people who are going to help me in this difficult time. And if you don't have that, then I just want to beg you, please, if there's, and, and maybe you can give me some ideas. Because here's what we do so far. We meet on Sundays. We have women who meet on Thursdays and men who meet on Thursdays. But wait, we have groups that meet on, I think after Sunday we have marriage groups. Um, we have uh, mixed groups that meet all throughout the week. It's almost every single day throughout the week and at all different times. From 7 in the morning to, I don't know what the latest one is, but it's like pretty late. It's like 7 o'clock at night. Let's just say that. And so I, I want you not to be a lone ranger. I don't want you because we, listen, you know, why you, have, you know why your blind spots are called your blind spots? Because you don't see them. And if your marriage, listen to me, if your marriage is going like this, oh my gosh, we're doing great. This is going, oh, we just hit a brick wall. And then we ignore each other. Then we act like it never happened. And then, oh, look, we're doing great again. We're doing great. Oh, we hit the brick wall again. And you doing that, in other words, you're going through the same stage for like years and years and years in your life then let me suggest that you don't have enough married couples in your life that can point out brother, sister. You don't have mutual. You don't have mutuality. So let me show you three ways, three key ways that we're mutually helpful towards one another. The first, and it's right there. You can write this down. The first is mutual encouragement. Mutual encouragement. We want to encourage one another. Um, uh, uh, Rob, who's our, our sound engineer and who also uh, runs the Trampled Rose Ministry, who does all the incredible skits that you see, and, and the, it, just amazing stuff. Um, pray, by the way, pray for Trampled Rose. They're a tremendous ministry trying to reach uh, uh, Recovery Rob, his friends, and his family. They're amazing. Well, Rob often calls me. He goes, he goes, he goes I go, hey, because I really am excited to see people. I really, really am. This is not an act. This is truly who I am. And so he goes, oh, here goes Captain Encouragement again. I was like, you know what? I have been called much worse. I, I, I'll take it. And you want to be a Captain Encouragement too. You want to be a person, when other people are down, you know, like, you know, somebody goes, you know, my husband, he left me. And it's like, it like, yeah, it looks real bad now. Like, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that guy, right? You, you, you want to come alongside and you want to encourage. You want to say, you know, I know he left you, but Jesus is here with us right now. I know, I know that this is very painful. And you, you, t you cry your tears. I'll cry them with you. It's just, it's just encouragement. We need that. Don't you want that? Listen to me. If you want a church like that, you individually are going to have to be like that. Because the church is not better than its members. I mean, that's what the church is. You think, do you think that the church is an address? Do you think the church is a destination place for you to meet at? No, the church is the group of people who are called by Jesus to proclaim and fame Jesus, to love one another well, 
and share with the world so that the nations would be glad. That's the church. You want to be a part of a church that's an encouraging church. You don't want to be a part of a nitpicky church. And you know, how to, you know if you want to change a nitpicky church, if you want to change a gossip church, if you want to change a church in any way, you know how you do it? You. Michael Jackson had it right. It's the man in the mirror being led by Jesus, being transformed. So the first one is mutual encouragement. The second one is mutual honoring. This is super important. We've got to practice honorology here. We have people who serve here who sacrifice themselves, literally. They sacrifice their physical well-being to serve here. And so we, we need to honor those people. I remember um, we were at a leadership retreat. Some of you guys who are at the leadership retreat will remember this. We were at a leadership retreat, and we had this exercise that we did. We were asked all weekend long to find a quality about another person on the leadership team uh, that began with the first letter of their name. So I got, you know, uh, I got, I, I, I still have it in my office. The words that they shared with me, I have it in my office. It was so meaningful to me. And they just, they just honored me. And so, you know, they said, Edwin, you know, you're an encourager. Edwin, you're, uh, you know, other things, I'm sure. I can't remember. But it's on my wall, and it's really encouraging. And, uh, and, it's, and it's wonderful to see. Practice that sometime. Make it a habit. Be a community. Go, go when, you, when you come to this church, go, you know, why do you go to this church? Well, because they honor me. It's a, it's a culture of honor. We honor one another. There's another way mutuality happens, and it's in mutual accountability. Mutual accountability. If you relapsed, you don't want to keep that a secret. If your marriage is devastated, you don't want to keep that a secret. If your finances are upside down, you don't want to keep that a secret. If you're hurting, you don't want to keep that a secret. And if you're at the top of your game, having the time of your life, you don't want to keep that to yourself. You, we want to be accountable to one another. Don't ever say this in this church. That's none of your business. Don't ever say that in this church. No, 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 no. We're a part of the body of Christ. And it's all my business because I, I've been called by God to serve you well, to encourage you, um, to be accountable to you well. Um, a great example of this was this week. I, I fell down. I was really embarrassed about it because, like, you know, I'm not supposed to fall. And, <laughs> and I fell. And I hurt my shoulder. It still hurts. And um, because I'm old. And, um, and, and no, and a brother from my small group, Ron, he just goes, and, and there were several, actually several people from my small group who said, hey, Ed, you look like you're nursing, you know, because I was trying to look cool, just kind of like go like this to support my shoulder. I was like, hey, guys, how you doing? And it didn't work out. And, uh, and they, they were like, hey, you're nursing that. And they were just, are you okay? Ron uh, contacted me throughout the week and he said, you didn't look good, you know. Here's what you need to do. This is what happens if by two weeks this hasn't healed. You need to go to the doctor. He sent me a sling. How are you doing? There's an accountability there. Hey, Ed, I'm going to make sure that you go to the doctor. I go, I don't like going to doctors. I, eh, I didn't ask all that. You need to go to the doctor. If you're... It's accountability. You know what? There's something a little bit more important. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's 
your family life. Maybe it's, it's the words that come out of your mouth. Maybe because they, they represent something that's going on in your heart. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're single. And you just need somebody to hold you accountable. And go, hey, how are we doing with that? You know, are you, are you going a little too close to the edge? We've got to be accountable to one another. And when you divorce yourself from the body of Christ, you lose. Because you don't have that accountability. And I don't want that for you. Any of us. So there's mutuality. So we see these, so far, the three building blocks, right? First building block is authenticity. Let's say this together. The first building block is authenticity. The second building block is Courtesy. The third building block is mutuality. Absolutely. The fourth building block for fellowship is hospitality. Would you write that down? Hospitality. Now, this is important. Because we got to get to know each other on more than just a superficial level. It, we just can't get to know each other on a superficial level that just gets to know, like, um, I, I, this is why small groups are so awesome. Um, I found out that there was a couple in my group, because we did this thing, like we opened up our group, we said, okay, you know, tell us why you're in the group, and tell us your name, and then tell us one thing we wouldn't know about you, right? And so everybody was going around and saying cool things that we didn't know about them. And, 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 and we found out one couple was married for something like 30 years. It's just amazing. I didn't know that. We found out, and it's the coolest thing. I'll introduce you to him, too. He's the coolest guy in the history of Recovery House of Worship. He actually, um, anybody here ever heard of the movie The Warriors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually in it as one of the gang members. As, you know, he was in the riffs. He, he could actually point you, himself out. It's the coolest thing. I thought that was the coolest thing in the history of the world. I was like, I love the Warriors. I memorized Cyrus's speech. I thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, that's amazing. But you know what? Now, now that's silly, right? That's silly. But what if you get a little bit deeper than that? What if you find out? What if you find out, hey, here, you know, here am I. You know, I struggle with lust. Here am I. You know, I look like I know, I know I look like I got it all together, but inside I'm falling apart. You know, I, I know I look like a social butterfly, but I'm, I'm as lonely as a person you've ever met. When we're hospitable to one another, we open the door to being intimate with one another. Now, beloved, you can do this. If you can afford, listen to me, if you have $2, you can go to the bodega, get a cup of coffee or get a cup of tea and hang out and share a cup of coffee together just to get to know one another. You can find someone that you've never met. You could start that today. Find someone that you haven't met. Let's make it a culture. Let's be a coffee-drinking culture. Now, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't like coffee. I think it's nasty, right? But, <clears throat> but I could drink a Tai Chi with anybody, right? Not, no, a vanilla chai tea. Tai Chi is like a martial art, I think. <laughs> Punch somebody in the face in the name of Jesus. Why do you guys even let me up here, man? This is crazy. <laughs> Vanilla chai. Don't you come with me with no karate. I will hit you with a bat. All right. So the fourth... <laughs> the fourth building block is hospitality. But this means, this means, listen to me, listen to me, extroverts... Get out of your cliques. Extroverts, we need you to get out of your cliques. Introverts, 
We need you to get into a click. Okay? That's how this is going to work out. Okay? That means, listen, listen, listen. All you need is like 30 seconds worth of courage. 30 seconds worth of courage. And don't, and listen to me, if you're new to this, and this is the recovery house of worship, so I have to say this, men with the men, women with the women, don't invite nobody else. Don't use this as like a sanctified way to get a date. That's not what we're doing here, right? But you find somebody, women, you know, go with another woman, men, go with another man, you know, and, and just go, hey, I just, I'd love to get to know you. And you know what? You might hit a friendship home run. And you might hit a friendship strikeout. But you know what you've done? You've been hospitable and you've gotten to at least... You've gotten to know. And you might find out why that person with the sourpuss, you might find out that they have a good reason for that. And that you might be, go back to the um, encourager, you might be the mutual encouragement in their life that they need to get over the difficult situation that they're in. Does that make sense? Yes. We need to be hostile. So that's the fourth building block. So let's look at all the building blocks that we've looked at so far for fellowship. Uh, the first building block for fellowship is authenticity. The second building block for fellowship is courtesy. The third building block for fellowship is mutuality. The fourth is hospitality. And then the fifth is unity. Write that down. Write that down. Unity. Okay. Now that you see in verse 16. You can see it in the text. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Listen. We need to be able to love each other well, going in the same direction. Now, this doesn't mean that we're identical. We talked about this. It doesn't mean that we're identical to one another. But you know what it does mean? It does mean that we're for one another. And so even if we're different, and so let me tell you two ways that we can practice unity. Let me tell you two ways we can practice unity. Um, the first one is that we can practice unity of purpose. Unity of purpose. Now that's not in your notes, but you could write that down. That's one way we could practice unity. Unity of purpose. That's a big deal. Now, that's because in this congregation, it's all about Jesus. Our purpose is all about Jesus. We believe that if you worship Jesus, really, no kidding, alcoholics will become sober, drug addicts will get clean, um, uh, 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 people with, uh, with habitual um, sin will be broken free from it. We believe, listen to me, in this church we have a radical biblical philosophy. We don't believe that you have a lust problem or a drug problem or an alcohol problem or an overspending or an eating problem. We believe you have a worship problem. And we believe that all worship problems are addressed with the worship of the one true living king. We're Jesus people. But when we're one in purpose, let me tell you something. That's powerful. When we're one in purpose, it's not about you. It's about Jesus that unifies us, and that gives us a unity that we wouldn't normally have. And the second, um, the second thing that will help um, unity is humility. Would you write that down? Humility. Oh, man. If we, listen to me. I've never, ever, ever seen humble, 
have a knockdown drag out with humble. I've never seen that. Not in a marriage, not in a friendship, not with coworkers. I've never seen it. Never seen it. Never seen it. But you know what I have seen? I've seen arrogant and prideful have it out and destroy the relationship. I've seen coward and overbearing blow up a relationship. Listen to me. Humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. In other words, it's not a pretty girl thinking of herself as ugly or an intelligent boy thinking of himself, himself as stupid. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is simply thinking of yourself less. Does that make sense? So it's not, so when I'm with someone, I go, oh gosh, I might be, I might, there's another take on this. It might not be about me. Oh, humility means that when I meet this person, it's about how can I love, how can I, it's not about me. We're not here for me. We're here for, I'm here for you. Yesterday, God had to really convict me of this because I was uh, sitting across the table from a guy with really amazing talent that I think could really benefit our congregation. So we're having sort of a brunch, and in my mind, I'm like, how can I hook this kid? How can I hook this kid? How can I hook this kid? Because he's going to be a blessing to our community. And the Lord just said, is that what you're here for? I was like, oh, man. And so in my heart, the Lord had to change that from how can I hook this kid to how can I bless this kid? And it just, and it just became a powerful prayer in my soul, and I believe I was able to bless him. I believe I, I, believe I was there for the purpose that we talked about, which was Jesus right? Humility, guys. We need humility. Now, we've been talking about fellowship, and we've been talking about it as if you could actually do this. Because we know the first time somebody stubs your toe, somebody says something you don't like, you come against someone who has a different personality, you, we know that you're going to take this, and you're going to be like, Poo! and you're going to throw it out the window. So let me tell you why you can't do this on your own. You can't do this on your own because you're too self-centered. You're too self-focused. Your marriage will implode. You won't be at this church for long if you rely on your flesh. But let me tell you why it's possible for the Christ follower. It's possible to have fellowship in a church with the Christ follower, with another Christ follower. It's because there was one who was inconvenienced, who moved from heaven to earth, for the purpose of having fellowship with his people. And he did this not at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life. He did this not as an inconvenience, but as a death sentence. He did this not so that you might be together with him for a minute, but that so that you might be together with him for an eternity. And if Jesus went so far as to die on the cross so he could have fellowship with you, what then should your response be towards one another? I mean, honestly, let's think about it, right? Real time, this person says something, oh, you look like you've been gaining weight. Something that you just find offensive. And go, think about this for a second. Jesus, have I ever been offensive towards you? Uh, <laughs> do you really want me to answer that? <laughs> and, and then we go, oh, wait. And, and how, how have you responded to my offensiveness? With love. 
with love and pursuing. I can't stop pursuing you. I love you, and I want deep intimacy with you. I want such deep intimacy with you, I have pages in a book that will go on for eternity that says, spend time with me. Wake up early and be with me. I want to be in prayer with you. I want just to have the kind of intimacy, huggy, kissy, close, that Jesus says that when you cry tears, I want to taste the I want to taste the salt in my mouth. That's the kind of intimacy. And Jesus made that possible through a sacrifice on the cross so that you could make it possible. So that he could make it possible through you. Marriages could get healed. Siblings could stray from rivalry to relationship. Jesus did it. He created fellowship with us. Don't you want that? If you don't have that, I'm telling you, the one who owns it all says, I want to be besties with you. But not on your terms. If he paid the price, he gets to call the shots. And because he loved you so well, Who was more authentic than Jesus? No one. Who was more courteous than Jesus? When people said, who are you to tell us what to do? He could have literally told them what their DNA sample read. He made them. Who was more courteous than Jesus? Who was was more mutual than Jesus? Who mutually encouraged? Who who honored? Who who had more account? Who kept others accountable more than Jesus? Hospitality? Who was more welcoming than Jesus? He he encouraged the prostitutes and the drunkards. He says, eat with me. Tax collectors and sinners, eat with me. I want to enjoy intimacy with you. And who brought more unity? He gave us the church. Good night. It's found in Christ. Don't run from him. So if you're here, and Jesus is not the center of your life, maybe you are, maybe money is, maybe other people's approval is, may I beg you to turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. You go, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to explain it to you. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity in about uh, two minutes. In about two minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand and say, I want to be with I want to surrender my, my life to Christ for the first time. Okay? Here it is. You go, I don't know. Here it is. In life, what we say here at the Recovery House of Worship is that you are worse than you think. That's what Christianity is. Christianity tells you that you're worse than you think. You go, oh, I'm not that bad. No, you're worse. Oh, you're cheating. It wasn't that bad. You didn't know. Now nah, you knew and you did it anyway. You, got, you lied to everybody, but you can't lie to God. You're worse than you think. Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, but you just got to get over it. You know, I hurt you, but you just got to get over it. Yeah, you're, that's, that's, the, that's how bad you are. You burden those who hurt you hurt. You are worse than you think. And the Bible tells us that you're more loved than you can imagine. That you're worse than you think. That you're grimier. That you're dirtier. That you're rottener than you think. 
and that Jesus sees you in your grime and your dirt and your nasty, and he says, I'll take, I'll take me some of that. You come, come here. You come here. You come here. I'll, I'll love you well. Because all of your dirty, all of your grimy, all of your nasty, Jesus says, I'll take upon the cross and I'll be shamed and I'll face the punishment and I'll face the pain so that you could face the intimacy and the fellowship first with me and then with those who are next to you. Oh, beloved. You don't want to say no to that. So you go, how do I do that? 30 seconds or less. Here we go. First, you go, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. In other words, that all of my wretchedness, all of my nasty was punished on you on the cross. That's powerful. I believe it. You did it for me. It was a vicarious death. Second, you say, I'm a sinner. No more excuses. No more lies. No more self-deception. I'm dirty. I'm grimy. I'm not, you know what? It's not only bad, it's worse than I think. You go, but I'm a good person. Please, just ask the people you've hurt. We're not good people. Christians aren't good people. Christians are forgiven people. So the first is seeing Jesus believing that he was crucified for you, dying in your place for your sins. Secondly, is recognizing that you're a wretched man and desperately need him to do that. Without him, you're bound for hell. And thirdly, saying, Jesus, I give you, you've, been, you've done such a great sacrifice to me, I give you my body. Wherever you want my body to go, whatever you want my body to do, I dedicate my body to you. Singleness, marriedness, otherness, I dedicate my body to you. That's what it means to walk in Christ. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins, making a way for you to heaven. Confessing to him that you're a sinner and being specific about it. You can tell him Saturday night, 3 o'clock in the morning, whatever. And saying, my body's yours. Do with me what you will. 